CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop, and uh, have a bit of a special episode of the podcast here for you today. Uh, no Michael Garrell this week. He's uh, in the thick of things uh, with the Manitoba Junior Hockey Playoffs. Uh, a lot of games going on there, a lot of broadcasts for Mike to do on Mike FM Winnipeg. So uh, he will be back returning to the podcast in probably a couple weeks from now once that all finishes up. But in the meantime, you know, CFL free agency started this week. It's been a crazy week, possibly the craziest free agency period, uh, at least since we've started this podcast about five years ago. And I figured, what better way to break it all down than to chat with some of our fellow members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network uh, to get their takes uh, on all the things that have gone down this week. So we will, in this episode, be talking to Rod Via Gomez of the Wood Cookie Sawcast, one of the newest members of the network, uh, Andrew Hoskins of the Eskimo Empire Podcast to get his take on everything going on with the Eskimos and the flurry of activity that Brock Sunderland uh, performed on Tuesday when free agency opened. And then also finally with uh, Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den podcast to talk everything about Mike Riley coming to BC and all the additional pieces that GM Ed Hervey brought in as well. Uh, the, the Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You can check out all these other guys and the other shows as well at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. Lots of content around the network going on with CFL free agency. It certainly has been a crazy week of CFL free agency. Um, you have some teams that went out and did a lot, some teams that didn't do so much. And, you know, at the end of it all, while some teams made the big splash and on paper, it looks like yeah, they may have won the day on day one. One of the things, you know, you have to take with a grain of salt is that it, it's not all done in a day. Free agency doesn't end after day one, doesn't end after day two. You know, you have teams like Edmonton and BC that went out and spent a lot. You have teams like Hamilton that really didn't do too terribly much. Uh, the Bombers, you know, picked up a couple pieces but didn't do too much there. Calgary really just focused on getting Bo Levi Mitchell back. Did not make too many big splashes other than that. That was the crucial one for them. So as the offseason goes along, we'll expect to see more activity to follow. And uh, things could change from then. But... Before we get into uh, talking to some of these other guys from the network, uh, general takes on what we have seen so far in free agency, I would say, first of all, I mean, Edmonton losing Mike Riley to BC, we knew that was happening before the the period started on Tuesday, as I was, came out Monday night already, the reports that it was to happen, and you know, I wasn't confident in the Eskimos, I'll admit that, uh, losing Mike Riley, losing all the wide receivers they have lost, 
uh, to the NFL, and then Darrell Walker, who now goes over to the Toronto Argonauts. But boy, Brock Sunderland came in, got his job done, brought in a couple big pieces, and uh, was able to fill some of those big holes the Eskimos uh, had going into free agency. And, and I think that's another thing that BC did as well. You know, everybody's going to talk about Mike Riley being the guy that was brought in. But there are a couple other big pieces. I look at Suk Chung from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the offensive line. That's only going to help Mike Riley lead that offense, give him a bit more time back there. But, you know, we talk about those two teams really being the ones that made the biggest splashes. I don't know if you can consider them the ultimate, you know, only winners of free agency, because uh, at least the first week of it. Because I look at a team like the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who, let's be real, really didn't do too much. And they didn't really do too much last year um, early on. Uh, generally, you know, if the course the last couple of years has been just re-sign their own guys. And they did a lot of that, you know, but right before it started, they brought back Simone Lawrence. They brought back Delvin Bro. That's two huge pieces on the defense for the Tiger Cats. Uh, they didn't have to take part in the quarterback battle uh, because they have Jeremiah Mazzoli. Uh, they brought back Brandon Banks, Jalen Saunders. They've got Luke Tasker. They brought back Alex Green. I mean, offensively, they still have some great pieces there. Defensively, they're strong. I know they lost a couple linebackers in Larry Dean, Don Anamba, but they did bring in a couple extra pieces as well. The Ticats did. Uh, Jagarrett Davis on the defensive line, a huge one there. I thought they had a really strong start to the free agency period you know you don't have to go out and spend big and spend all your money on day one and fill every single hole right away and for a team like the Thai Cats, they managed to not have that many holes frankly that need to be filled so uh, you know it was a growing team throughout last year yeah they finished with uh, perhaps not the greatest record but they still finished uh, second in the East Division and hosted a home playoff game and I'm expecting them to only grow further there. We've talked about on the podcast so far the coaching staff they have in place with Orlando Steinauer, June Jones, uh, all of those guys. I really like the coaching staff Hamilton has in place. I'm interested to see where that leads the team into this year. And frankly, I don't expect them to do too much as the free agency period continues on. Might see a couple more smaller moves made. But uh, definitely not expecting a big fish to head to Hamilton here. Other teams I was particularly impressed with that maybe didn't make the biggest of splashes uh, was definitely the Montreal Alouettes because this is a team that we've talked an awful lot on the podcast over the last couple of years of holes at every position, lack of consistency at quarterback and at head coach, you know, really not a strong Montreal Alouettes roster, but I think they brought in some key pieces at every position. You know, you look at wide receiver, they bring in Devere Posey. Uh, I believe at running back, they just brought in Jeremiah Johnson a couple days ago, if I read that correctly. Uh, on the offensive line, they bring in some pieces there to help out the offensive line. And uh, on defense, too, they bring in Taylor Loeffler. That's a huge piece at safety. I'm probably missing a couple other big names that have gone to the Alouettes off the top of my head. But, you know, this is a team. They have their quarterbacks in place, and they're. Not, I wouldn't put any of them in the top five 
drafts or so, top six quarterbacks in the CFL at this point, but they've got a bunch of young quarterbacks that I think do have potential. If the offensive line can give them time in Montreal, they've got some good wide receivers set up there now. You've got Eugene Lewis, BJ Cunningham, Ernest Jackson, Devere Posey. I really like that setup for the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, if you got a dual running back system with William Stanback and now Jeremiah Johnson, I, I like, I'm interested to see how well they progress this year because I think the defense is going to continue to get better. I think the offense is going to continue to get better, um, you know, based on how things have gone for, for some of the other Eastern teams. I think the Alouettes at this point, I'll throw it out there uh, after the first five or so days of CFL free agency. Uh, could be in contention for an Eastern playoff spot and hosting a home playoff game in 2019. Granted, this is all on paper, um, based off of what we've seen, you know, names trading places on paper. Once things all transition to the field, I could be entirely wrong on that. Another team out East, sticking with the Eastern division here, the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, if you would have asked me after the first day, I would have said uh, they contended with the Ottawa Red Blacks as one of the biggest losers of free agency. You know, they put all their money in the basket of trying to go out and get Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, reports that he was, they were offering him a $900,000 a year contract, which is absurd. Um, they don't get their guy in Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, but the Argos do then turn, get their, you know, get things under their feet, realize, okay, they do have this extra money to spend. They have made a couple solid moves over the last couple of days. Uh, really shored up their running back position, perhaps a little too much uh, with all the guys they brought in. You know, you look at Chris Rainey, you look at Mercer Timmis, you look at Terrell Sutton all brought in. You had Brandon Burks already, you had James Wilder. It's probably another guy or two, again, off the top of my head, uh, that they didn't bring, or that they did bring in that I haven't mentioned at running back. But they also re-signed a couple of guys on defense. They brought in a couple extra pieces there. I'm just looking through it right now. The uh, I like the moves they've made in the last couple of days since then. I think it was a quieter start. And, you know, perhaps that is a good thing because... Uh, Frankly, the Toronto Argonauts, you know, you know, there's a lot of guys that will go out and demand a high amount of money and teams uh, eager to go after them will pay them that uh, immediately. But there's certainly highly talented guys that are available after the first day or two uh, that you can get at a discount. And, uh, you know, they took their time and uh, they still end up getting one of the big fish. And sure, they paid him a hefty contract, but getting Darrell Walker at wide receiver is a huge grab for them because... You had these young quarterbacks last year in James Franklin, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who didn't have a whole lot of help on the offense, is how I would put it. You had S.J. Green, you had Armonte Edwards, but there was a bit of a lack at the wide receiver position for the Argos, I think, and uh, I think this will only help them bringing in an all-star player like Darrell Walker. So we'll see what else they do as the offseason comes, but... Uh, ask me after day one. I'm not high on the Argos. Ask me uh, at the end of the first week. I I'm, a I'm a little more hopeful for them for the 2019 season to improve a little bit here. Now, if you want to look at teams that I think didn't do so well, um, 
you have to look at the Ottawa Red Blacks, and we'll get into this more in detail shortly uh, with Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast. But, you know, you lose Trevor Harris, Sir Vincent Rogers, Greg Ellingson, uh, William Powell. You know, these are your, besides Brad Sinopoli and, well, Deontay Spencer, who's gone to the NFL, these are your biggest key players on offense, and they don't manage to retain any of them. Uh, the first day, they didn't do a whole lot in free agency. Uh, I think at the end of the day, they brought in Philip Gagnon uh, from the Montreal Alouettes and the offensive line, but that may have been the first and only move of day one for the Red Blacks. Uh, they lose all this talent. Everybody's claiming that the sky is falling in Ottawa. But again, you know, the coming days, they start to slowly pick up and put some pieces in. Uh, they do bring in Jonathan Jennings at quarterback, who, if you listen to the podcast frequently, uh, I, I, I'm hopeful. I, I th- still think he has decent potential to be a good starter in the CFL. I'm interested to see what he does with some of these pieces uh, in Ottawa as well. They do bring in, uh, they do re-sign their own receiver, uh, Dominic Grimes, bring in Nate Bahar, uh, Ryan Lankford, a couple other pieces like that, Caleb Hawley. So, Looks to be a young offense, uh, the direction they're going, the Red Blacks this year. And I think it will be fun to watch and see some of those guys grow together. But again, we'll we'll get into all of that more in just a couple minutes here with Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast. The other team that I was down on so far in free agency uh, would be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And that is just solely from the standpoint of they struggled mightily offensively last year. They uh, they looked, you know, their defense carried them throughout the entire season. And they've lost a couple pieces on defense. I know they brought in Micah Johnson, who's one of the best pass rushers in the CFL. But they also lost one of the best defensive linemen in the CFL and Willie Jefferson to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think that the, the Riders didn't improve on defense. I think they took a step back. I still think that their defense is going to be very good this year, but, uh, and I know they did bring a couple guys in as well defensively to fill up some of those holes. I just don't know what to make of the offensive situation. I do think uh, bringing in William Powell, which I was confused about at first, but now that we know Trey Mason is likely out for the whole season with an ACL injury, uh, it makes sense to go hard after uh, all-star running back in William Powell. Um, They do get back Naaman Roosevelt, which is a big one to me. I think that was a huge move by the Riders uh, because he has been their best receiver over the last couple of years. And uh, the latest guy to bring in Manny Arsenault that's a huge one as well so they stick to the same quarterback they don't get in rumor is it has it they were in on Bully by Mitchell they were in on Trevor Harris I'm sure they wanted to make an offer to Mike Riley they don't go out and get any of those three they end up deciding to bring back Zach Calero stick with him the st- for, as the starter and I think that just brings so many unknowns of what we can see from the riders in 2019 because Dean Caleros uh, earlier in his career, be one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL. He has he, he has starter potential to be a strong starter in the CFL. He does has had injury issues, though. 
He has had consistency issues over the last couple of years. I think bringing in some of these pieces that they have brought in is certainly going to help them. And I think the offense will take a step forward this year. I, I, I just wonder how much. And uh, I wonder if, you know, they should have maybe put even more of a push forward, if possible, to get one of those big-name quarterbacks in free agency. Just to round out uh, the teams, uh, don't want to miss a couple of these last couple teams before we get into the interviews here. Uh, Calgary Stampeders, I talked about them very briefly earlier on. They had one mission and one mission only this week, and that was to sign quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell. I talk about it all the time. John Huffnagel, this guy is magical. You know, they lose big pieces around the field every single year. The Calgary Stampeders do. And John Huffnagel just goes and finds another one and puts him in the lineup, and he turns out to be an all-star. So people may have think may think Calgary regressed a little bit, and, and you know, I agree with that. Just looking at defensively, they've lost so many pieces there. Micah Johnson, Jagarit Davis uh, from the defensive line, Alex Singleton off the NFL. You know, they've lost some huge pieces on defense, Calgary has. But, I, and at wide receiver too, I should mention as well, DeVaris Daniels, Mark and Michelle, Chris Matthews, all of those guys uh, not back this year. But I, I, I think I think the Stampeders will be okay here. I, I think Huffnagel's never one to go out and spend big money. Uh, he did bring back a couple of his own key guys. Uh, really, Bowie by Mitchell was the key to this all because I don't know if if all of a sudden he goes somewhere else because there he was down to Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Toronto, supposedly. Um, I don't know what Calgary does then. I don't know if they stick with Nick Arbuckle as their starting quarterback. I don't know if they go out and make a play for a guy like Jonathan Jennings, uh, who wasn't signed yet at that time. Uh, I really don't know, and I don't know what this Calgary offense would look like and this Calgary team if they didn't have their all-star quarterback. I like to think that the talent around the rest of the team is still very good and this would still be a very good football team I just don't know if we're talking about the same perennial first place Calgary Stampeders uh should they have not been able to retain their franchise quarterback and finally the only team I haven't quite touched on yet was the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh my hometown team here Mike's hometown team as well uh they haven't done a whole lot. They brought in a couple key pieces, I would say, to offset some of the losses they've had. Uh, bring in Willie Jefferson on the defensive line is huge. Uh, you now have two of the, I mean, two of the top defensive players in the CFL on the same team, and Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson. Jefferson's going to cause pressure on the quarterback. Big Hill's going to manage things uh, in the middle there. And uh, it's going to cause some problems for opposing offenses. I think the combination of these two guys and some of the other guys on the defensive line, you know, Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson coming at you from the end, that's, uh, that's going to be tough for opposing teams to manage against. But I do still think there are some holes in the defensive backfield. Uh, I know they lost Javon Santos Knox. They lost Taylor Lawfler. They lost a couple other guys. Uh, as well but uh, they do bring in Winston Rose they do bring in uh, bring back Brandon Alexander so I think we are and I expect to see on defense 
the Bombers bring in a couple more pieces uh, throughout the offseason. Because that's what they did last year, too. You know, as the offseason went along, all of a sudden, Anthony Gator, Chandler Fenner, I don't think those guys were signed on day either. Uh, so I expect more of that to come from Kyle Walters. Just Friday night, uh, announced they brought in Winnipeg-born linebacker DJ Lalama from the Montreal Alouettes, which props to my co-host Mike for calling that one on the last episode of the podcast. Uh, he did predict that would happen, and it did, so well done, Mike. Um, so I think the defense... I think the defense is going to be around what we saw from it last year. You know, they lost a couple key pieces, but they also brought in some good ones as well. Offensive side of the ball, uh, the big thing was getting back wide receiver Nick Dembski. You know, at the Canadian wide receiver position, the Bombers are up there as stocked as well as anybody else in the league, I think. You have uh, Nick Dembski, who's versatile, can, you know, catch the ball, run the ball, return kicks. Uh, you have Drew Wolitarski, who's coming into his own as a very strong wide receiver. Uh, I would say the Canadian content on offense for the Bombers is really good. Uh, I still do think they need to go out and get another strong wide receiver to add to the group. I, I think they, you know, they had a chance at Greg Ellingson. They had a chance at Darrell Walker. Couldn't bring any of those guys in. Uh, rumor has it it was down to them and Toronto for Darrell Walker, but they just couldn't get it done. I still think they need to go out there, bring in another guy. And, you know, Kyle Walters has mentioned waiting for some of these NFL guys, uh, you know, like uh, Duke Williams, Bryant Mitchell, uh, Brandon Zilstra, former CFL players that are getting shots down south to maybe see, you know, if they stick, if not, try to bring in one of them. But uh, whether it's a current free agent, a future free agent, I think that's still a hole for the Bombers that uh, definitely needs to be filled here. Well, let's get right into it and take a bit of a deeper dive on some of these teams, because I'm sure you're sick of hearing me ramble to myself for the past 20 minutes or so. Uh, so let's get bring in one, our first guest of the episode. Pleased to welcome to the show the, the host of the Wood Cookie Sawcast and one of the newest members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Rod via Gomez. First of all, Rod, welcome to the network, and uh, how are you this evening? I am wonderful, despite the last couple of days. I've time to find some joy in in what I've I've been seeing uh, at least today and, and and yesterday. But still, it's been a rough one. It's been a rough one so far. For those that don't know, Rod may reside on the West Coast, but his uh, CFL allegiances lie out east with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Who, yes have had a rough last couple of days with CFL free agency. Uh, Let's get straight into that here because there's a lot to break down. Uh, I think the first question here is, how the heck did Marcel Desjardins let this happen? Because you lose Trevor Harris, uh, so you lose your starting quarterback, you lose your starting running back in William Powell, you lose... Uh, one of your best receivers in Greg Ellingson, you lose your best offensive lineman, Sir Vincent Rogers. How does this happen? Well, let's not forget that before that even happened, we lost another one of our best wide receivers to the NFL. So, I mean, you know, when Deontay Spencer walked out the door, we thought for sure Greg Ellingson would be safe and no one really expected Trevor Harris to go anywhere. 
but uh, apparently there was a signing bonus uh, kerfuffle that kept Trevor Harris out. And then once Trevor Harris went, I think the dominoes started to fall. Uh, people already probably knew that, that Trevor was going, which is why I think you saw William Powell go to uh, Saskatchewan. And, and then, of course, you saw Ellingson go to Edmonton because uh, what other place he turned down a couple of other offers to go back to uh, to Trevor Harris's side. And I don't blame him. I mean, if you're going to go somewhere, might as well go with the, the quarterback you're used to. But um, how did it happen? I, To be honest with you, I have zero speculation because it just doesn't make any sense from a front office standpoint. There can't be too much salary consideration um, unless the signing bonus was too much for, for anybody to, uh, to, to keep him coming. But I don't know. I don't know how Marcel Desjardins uh, could let it happen. I know that money is always an issue. And I, and I have a feeling that when it came down to it, the dollar signs for Trevor didn't match up. And then again, after that, you couldn't keep everybody in Ottawa if Trevor Harris uh, wasn't going to be there because I don't think anybody was going to be there. And not, not to say that Dominique Davis is a bad quarterback. We, we got to stop making that assumption, but he's not Trevor Harris. And so I think when Trevor Harris was, the writing was on the wall that he was about to de- depart, I think that's when everybody else um, was were taking their toys and going elsewhere. I called it Green Tuesday because it one, you know, in one color or another, in one form of green, uh, everybody seemed to depart for a green team. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong there. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the signing bonus issue with Trevor Harris and that maybe, you know, all these departures are a money thing. I have a hard time, and I know it's difficult because we don't see most of the CFL salary numbers and everything, but uh, along with that report, which I believe it was Tim Baines of the Ottawa Sun uh, talking about the you know what led to Harris uh, leaving Ottawa and going to Edmonton was this uh, signing bonus, but the overall amount on the contract, he was willing to, I believe, take 50000 less than he was making last year. And looking at these other guys that went away, you know, Greg Ellingson, I don't think, you know, he had as outstanding of a year as he has in the past last year. Certainly one that's not going to maybe bump up his pay raise a large amount. I don't think Sir Vincent Rogers necessarily, you know, a huge raise there. William Powell, maybe a little bit, but I, I'm just trying to understand how the cap situation is so dire that uh, Marcel Desjardins decides to go in a different direction. And that, that's that's the thing. I don't really I can't see it being a cap thing. And and because again, Trevor Harris, after last season, you know, made a very public statement about the fact that he would absolutely love for for everybody to be on the same page so that he can stay in Ottawa. It was you know it wasn't one of those because you know players speak that oh yeah I love the city that I'm in and you know it'd be great to stay blah blah blah. I, Trevor actually legitimately came from his heart and said, this is really where I want to be. So I hope that everybody can speak on this, on the same page and, and that you can keep me here in Ottawa because this is where I want to be. And it, you, like you, like you said, it showed with what he was willing to, to take, uh, to, to stay. So I, I have to think that it wasn't anything to do. Um, and now I'm talking myself in circles because I'm trying to make sense of it, but I, I, just, I can't stop being a happy. That's why we have you on the show today to try to make sense of this. <laughs> I can't. I, I've been trying for the last couple of days to, to, to figure out how you could let, you know, three of your biggest players just walk away um, over, over, I don't know how much money it could have possibly been because, you know, you, you it's one thing if you would have lost Trevor. I think people would have, you know, understood 
maybe still been hurt, but if you would have lost Trevor, it would have been kind of like, okay, we had to lose somebody, right? But then you lose William Powell, your leading running back and, and almost the league leading rusher. And then Greg Gallinson, who, like you said, didn't have the stellar year that he usually has, but is still capable of big things, you know, and, and all three of those guys walk. I, you just, you wonder what was said to any one of them to, to cause them to, to not work harder to stay where they were at. Well, and one of the big ones for me was William Powell. Now, we, we did our free agency preview show the night before uh, it all started, and, and we were going through the running backs, and I said, you know, William Powell is a free agent. I can't possibly see him going anywhere but Ottawa. You know, every other team is pretty well established at running back. Uh, if they let him go, yeah, I know they re-signed Moses Madu, but Powell just seemed like such a good fit there in Ottawa. Uh, that's a puzzling one for me. Uh, I do now, now that we know that Trey Mason is out for the season, uh, most likely the whole season with an ACL injury, I get the fit for him in Saskatchewan, but uh, uh, do you feel confident uh, having Moses Madu there as your starting running back for 2019? Uh, I know he has had some injury troubles the last couple of years, has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, what's your take on that? That's the thing. He's got to stay healthy. He's proven that he's a solid running back. I mean, he's he's not William Powell, but he can put up good numbers. Um, and, and he's a reliable running back. And now, look, if we get Jonathan Jennings to, to, to be starting, and if we get him up and going the way he's done in the past, um, I think he can make Moses Madu a, a decent running back because people have to respect Jonathan Jennings in the running, you know, in the scrambling game as well, because he is a mobile quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So that usually makes uh, running backs better uh, when they when the defenders have to actually pay attention to the to the quarterback's feet. So um, they could be a good complement together. I I really wish that they would have gone after some other um, named running back that was out there. But to be honest with you, no other name was as big as William Powell uh, out there right now. So yeah, I mean. To be honest with you, Moses Madu is going to have to prove uh, that he can stay healthy, one, and two, put up the kind of numbers that he can when he's healthy um, and compliment Jonathan Jennings. So am I confident? I would say I'm 60% confident that he uh, can get the job done the way uh, we need him to get it done. And uh, while Mike will appreciate me inserting his favorite phrase into this interview, that uh, running backs are a dime a dozen, um, so, you know, we talk about this now, but they could very well bring in a guy for training camp we never heard of that turns into the next star. So uh, I, I think I do like Moses Madu uh, as a, giving him a whole shot here, and we'll see what happens uh, throughout the rest of the offseason at the running back position. Now, you mentioned Jonathan Jennings uh, coming in at quarterback. Uh, just the a day before, less than a day before they sign him, you have Marcel Desjardins go and say that uh, Dominic Davis will be the starting quarterback as of right now for 2019. Uh, is that just was that just him at the time blowing smoke uh, to hide the fact that he was working on bringing in Jonathan Jennings, or do you think you have these two guys, these young quarterbacks that have things to prove here, Davis? Jennings who do you see as number one who do you see as number two or do you see it being a training camp battle I don't think he was blowing smoke I really think that he thought that Davis 
could be. And and the reason why Davis was still there is, is I think that's exactly what they were trying to do was have a quarterback in place just in case Trevor decided to go away. So I think I think Marcel really truly believes that Dominique can be uh, a starting guy. But in my opinion, I, I you got two really good backups. Um, but for Jonathan Jennings' sake, we've seen him produce. We've seen him put up over 5,000 yards. So it's not that he can't. It's that he can't consistently, which is why he lost the job to Lule again uh, when Lule got healthy. So all it takes, all it's going to take for Jonathan is to show the, the Jonathan Jennings that threw for 5,000 yards. And if he does that, he's the starter. Dominique is the backup again this season. Now, at the wide receiver position for Ottawa, I mean, basically throughout their entire franchise's existence, besides maybe the first year there where, you know, they just came into the league, they didn't really have the pieces, but in their first full offseason, really, they go out, spend big on four wide receivers, you know, Chris Williams, Ernest Jackson, Sinopoli, and Ellingson, and they've ridden the big-name wide receivers, you know, throughout the last five years. You had Deontay Spencer come in who's now off to the NFL, but now out of the, you know, all these big name guys, the only one really left is Brad Sinopoli, but uh, you do have a couple younger guys at wide receiver. I know the Red Blacks just re-signed Dominic Grimes. Uh, RJ Harris is still under contract, I believe, correct? Correct. Uh, you And you also bring in Caleb Hawley at wide receiver. You bring in Ryan Lankford from the Bombers, and you bring in Nate Bahar from the Edmonton Eskimos. You know, Ottawa's offense has been exciting to watch the last couple of years just because you have a, a high-quality quarterback throwing to these elite receivers in Ellingson, Sinopoli, and Spencer. I think their offense might be exciting in a whole different way this year that you have a young up-and-coming quarterback, whether that be Jennings, whether that be Davis, and you have a lot of these young, talented, up-and-coming wide receivers that uh, you know, you're going to see them grow together. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. This is going to be one of those offenses that I think you can watch for its its youth and its explosiveness. And, you know, you got a guy like Holly who was buried on the depth chart in, in Saskatchewan. And, you know, I think he's going to have an opportunity to prove that he uh, is a solid number two because I think Sinopoli is, is going to take over that number one role um, just by sheer fact of that he's he's been there the longest. And uh, to I'm, mention, you know, he's uh, he, he's arguably the best Canadian receiver in the league. So, oh, yeah. Oh, well, there's that, too. Right. I mean, if we're going to get technical on it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but you add, you know, Nate Bahar, like you said, that that's that's another guy that's going to get a chance to shine on a on a receiving core that's not stocked with, you know, Darrell Lockers and Duke Williams and, you know, the likes of those guys. So um, I think what you've got here is you've got a recipe for an offense that can turn some heads if everybody performs to their potential. Um, and, and that's, I think, going to be the key, is if everybody performs to their potential, um, you've got a good team. Because I don't think you've got a bunch of scrubs. I think you've got a, a lot of young, talented guys that can um, really do some work. Uh, but they just got to prove that they belong in, in the spots that they're in right now because they got some pretty big shoes to fill. Do we consider this, with everything that's happened the last couple of days, to just be a retooling for the Red Blacks, or is this the start of a, so to say, rebuild, which really we have not seen since year one? Yeah, and the and the fact that they haven't been around a whole lot, you know, longer than than year one. Right. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing, and and I said it on on my show as well. You know, 
I, I would take this year as a compliment because here's the thing. If you accumulate enough great players in one spot, it's hard to keep them all every year For because sure. they're going to be, they're going to be paid more. They're going to want more there. And, and you can't keep a roster together like that because the cap is there for a reason just is to keep just, super team performing. Just ask the Toronto Argonauts and the like 19 running backs they have on the roster. Now they're not all going to stick no. around. No, <laughs> no, but that's the thing you've got to. And so, and so if, if these P if these folks start going off and, and finding new teams because you can't pay them what they're worth, to me, that just shows that you know it's it's a good breeding ground for great players. Right. So I don't I don't really take it as as a, a bad thing to see these guys go. Uh, I just see it that the uh, Ottawa has been able to foster great talent, and that talent is expensive, and it's hard to keep all of that talent under one roof. So uh, you're going to have years like this after two or three good years. So yeah, it's it's going to be hard, but I think they're in a good spot. Well, and it's interesting to see the approach, I think, too, because we've seen Marcel go out in free agency and spend the big money to get these established high-quality players. This year seems like a bit of a different approach. You know, yeah, they lost these guys, but he could have equally gone out and spent the money, you know, on guys like Darrell Walker, maybe a Manny Arsenault who just signed in Saskatchewan today. Uh, but he decides to go with these younger up-and-coming receivers. So I think it's a different approach for Marcel Desjardins uh, in building this team and yeah, like you said, it might be a bit of a step back this year, but who knows? Maybe it uh, puts them on the right track for the years to come. Absolutely. And even, you know, in Arsenault, yeah, and Roosevelt was another name that, that was being tossed around out there for a, a potential run. So, you know, you're right. There was other big names that he could have gone after. I, I could have seen Jonathan Jennings and Darrell Walker. I could have seen that that combination to give uh, Jennings a, a reliable receiver downfield to air it out to, and that would have been a perfect fit. But you're right. I mean, he's got R.J. Harris, who is is a deep threat in and of himself, and then Dominique Rimes, who's proven that he is a pretty good speedster. So I think it's a good compliment to uh, to Jonathan Jennings to have those two kind of mobile guys themselves uh, and speedy guys to to give him a chance to just chuck it downfield to. So um, yeah, I mean, again, it, it it's it sucks. It really does suck when you lose fan favorites. You know, it's it's gonna hurt. To see Ellingson and Green and and Trevor and Green, it already hurts to see Trevor and Green. We've seen pictures already, and you know it's like rip our heart out. Why don't you? But um, you know, but it, it it's we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the defensive side of the ball because that's half the team as well. Um, you do lose a couple key members there on the defensive line. Granted, some of them are still free agents and might find their way back to Ottawa, but you lose guys like Chris Aki, Kyrie Saber. Uh, linebacker, you lose Daryl Wad along the defensive line, a couple other big pieces there, but you also do retain a couple pieces. Uh, AC Leonard, another one of those that's leaving, and you do bring in uh, Kevin Francis. You did earlier in the offseason bring in uh, Chris Randall from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and now Troy Studermeyer as well. Uh, where do you make of the defense? Uh, did it take a step back uh, so far in these first couple of days, or are, uh, are you still feeling good about the defense that did, in their own right, play pretty well last year? Yeah, the defense was, I think, what the big question mark coming into that season was, and uh, you know, it just Noel Thorpe really, really brought his brand of defense in, and um, I'm I'm not too discouraged. Again, you said you know AC Leonard walked out the door, um, you know Kyrie Bear obviously didn't didn't even factor into this uh, this free agent period. But 
Um, you know, we had we still have the secondary, right? We still have Jonathan Rose. We still have Sherrod Baltimore. Um, we have veteran guys that have played under Noel Thorpe at least this year that um, can can foster the new guys that are coming in. Um, and I, I feel like with Noel Thorpe, he can use the pieces that he's given, right? And so I don't think that there's uh, going to be a huge drop-off in defensive play just from the few pieces that we lost. Because to be honest with you, I don't think the defense got gutted nearly as bad as the offense did. And I think there's going to be a lot of defensive guys that are um, that are in right now that know uh, Noel Thorpe's uh, system enough to pass it on to the new guys. So, um, again, if, if defense was a question mark coming into last season, I think that they're not the question mark anymore going into this season. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then finally here, you know, we talk about all the negatives, all the guys you lose uh, on day one of free agency, and certainly that hurts, and, you know, the sky is falling at that point. Folks have to remember that the off season is not just a single day, you know, just like the other eight teams in the league, Ottawa is going to make continue to make moves over the coming weeks, over the coming months, heading into the season. Um, do you expect a lot of activity to come uh, from the Red Blacks still? And uh, if so, which holes uh, are you looking to fill? I don't. It'll trickle in just like it does every season, right? I mean, we see this every free agent period where actually we we I don't think we've seen anything like this no. since I've become a fan. Not in the beginning part of it. Uh, it's, it's been crazy. I, I've never seen movement like this, but um, no, I, I think it'll trickle in. I mean, there's still offensive line positions that need to get filled. I know John Gott is, is not going to come back. There's, there's really hasn't been anything that, um, that has pointed to him actually coming back. Um, and so, you know, he's going to have to get, uh, get filled. Uh, we had a retiree um, that, that actually went away to a, a Canadian offensive lineman, uh, Zachary in Zant, and so he's gone. So there's there's holes that need to get filled, especially on that offensive line. Um, so I, I think that's that's one thing that we'll probably see a little bit of uh, of work on. But other than that, I mean, again, yeah, there's there's still some big names out there uh, to be had, and and this CFLPA or uh, yeah, the the players agreement. What happened to that? I thought people were waiting for that to kick yeah. in before they started signing contracts, but I guess not. Well, and I'm interested to see as well with all of that is you you go assign guys like Mike Riley to $700,000 contracts. And I mean, BC, I think, is going to be in a world of cap trouble uh, based on every guy they signed over the last few days. But you have some teams spending thinking the cap's going to be one thing. Some teams may be holding back thinking the cap's going to be another thing. It's a very weird situation leading to, I would say, a very weird start to CFL free agency. Absolutely. And then what happens when camp goes and, and some of these players don't work out? I mean, the, the cuts that are going to be made, other other folks will swoop in. So, I mean, again, just because they signed there doesn't always mean they're going to land there. So there's some probably pretty talented players that are going to not make uh, not make the cut and, 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 you know, they'll be free to sign. So we'll see. Well, Rod, before I let you go here, uh, take a moment, plug the pod, let us know what's coming down the pipe and uh, where they can find the show. Absolutely. Well, I just put out the free agency uh, lamentation episode. So you want to go check it out. Uh, look for the wood cookie saw cast on anywhere where you get your favorite podcast, wherever you're listening to this show right now, just when you're done uh, type in wood cookie saw cast, you'll find it. And, uh, and we are there. Uh, and yeah, like I said, we got some more free agency to talk about on the next episode. 
and uh, and all that other good stuff. And maybe we'll have a couple of interviews with some of the new Red Blacks. And uh, from there, who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit. Season two is is underway already. And now we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So that's super exciting. Can't wait to hear that play before every show now. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, we're very happy to have you aboard the network. Uh, very exciting times. And uh, hopefully we continue to have an exciting off season here. And then uh, as we get closer to the season, I'd love to have you back on to chat about everything that's transpired over the next couple of months. Well, I do love to talk. So all you got to do is tell me when. <laughs> Sounds good. Will do. Thanks again, Rod, for joining me today. Thank you so much. And that was Rod Villa Gomez of the Wood Cookie Sawcast joining me here on the Canadian Football Countdown to talk everything Ottawa Red Blacks. A really great chat with Rod. I enjoy his optimism, uh, his excitement for the team. Uh, and, you know, it has been a tough couple days for Red Blacks fans, but uh, I think there is some potential with some of these other guys they brought in, like we talked about. And uh, I'm interested to see what this team's going to do uh, throughout the rest of the offseason and as we get into the season. Well, we just tried to make sense of how Ottawa lost uh, guys such as Servants and Rogers, Greg Ellingson, and Trevor Harris. And uh, conveniently, they all go to the same team in the Edmonton Eskimos. So uh, what better guest to have next than uh, somebody who covers the Eskimos on the podcast uh, all the time? pleased to be joined by one of the hosts of the Eskimo Empire podcast, one of the most frequent guests in this show's history, continues to be so, and we're always happy to have him here. It's Andrew Hoskins. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me back on again. I, I'm always impressed when you feel like you need to talk to me again and I get to come back on. So thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Happy to have you here. Um, of course, free agency started this week and we're going through and we're talking to a couple members around the podcast network to get the sense of what the heck happened this week. And, uh, we just talked to Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast to get his, uh, his thoughts on how Ottawa let all of these guys go. And it's only fitting now that we talk to you to figure out what the heck happened in Edmonton because, you know, you, on a day when your team loses, it's franchise all-star arguably top quarterback in the cfl somehow still come out to be the consensus winner of the first day of free agency what the <laughs> heck happened <laughs> well um i think somebody posted the uh the the meme of of the incredible hulk thing brock sunderland where it says uh, don't make me angry you won't like me when i'm angry <laughs> and i mean i think brock really wanted to go out and make a splash and make people know that, you know, this team is not in trouble just because Mike Riley left. I, I think le losing Mike Riley is difficult. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's, it's really hard to lose a guy that was so big in the community and of right. course uh, an amazing player on the field. And I think it, I, I was saying to Rod when I talked to him the other day that the emotional roller coaster that happened over a 36 hour period from about noon on Monday until about seven o'clock on Tuesday night was just absolutely ridiculous. And we had all of us thinking, Oh, here's Mike Riley is on his way. And now what are we going to do? And everyone in the dumps and Oh, we're that's it. I, I'm not going to watch games. All, all these, you know, crazy things that fans do. And, uh, you know, then on Tuesday uh, by, by one o'clock we had, uh, 
you know, Trevor Harris, uh, Greg Ellingson, Sir Vincent Rogers, Larry Dean, and uh, and Javon Santos Knox all signed. <laughs> People are like, uh, wait a sec, this maybe isn't as bad as we thought. So um, I think the big thing is, is that Brock wanted to make sure that people knew that he was, you know, he was going to make this his team. But I also think that they took the money that they quote unquote saved uh, by not signing Riley and used that to bring in some other big names. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, you mentioned all these guys signed by one o'clock. I mean, free agency just started two hours ago. And yeah, teams are working on their first deal. And then all of a sudden, Brock Sunderland has half the league under contract. And my question at that point is, what did he have for breakfast that day? Because workplace productivity was through the roof. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, was a very, that was a pretty productive day. I know uh, when he talked about it at his press conference after, uh, it was definitely a group effort where he was having the initial conversations with the agents and kind of get things going and then pass off the phone uh, to uh, either Chris Hagerman or Nick Peltier, who are, uh, you know, part of that team. And then they would kind of bang out the deal and he'd be on the phone with the next agent. And so I, I think it was the the team of the three of them kind of all banging it out together that you ended up having all of these things kind of fall into place. And I, I think with, Sir Vincent Rogers and with Greg Ellingson, I think having Trevor Harris come here was a big part of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, from every report is that he actually helped in recruiting those guys to, to come here. So, um, I, that probably helped to get things going within that first hour. But, uh, I, I think the targets were very clear. Uh, Trevor Harris, uh, Larry Dean, and um, Santos Knox were definitely the three big targets that Sunderland had on that day. And I think Ellingson and Sir Vincent Rogers were bonuses because he had uh, Harris to kind of play off to get those guys. And we talk about these guys. And of course, they didn't even finish there because after that, they went out and got Donna number two. Uh, so two strong linebackers from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They also bring in DeVars Daniels from Calgary, Anthony Orange and Ricky Collins from B.C., they re-signed Travis Bond, and then over the next couple of days, a couple of smaller signings, offensive lineman Kadar Spooner from Winnipeg, and uh, wide receiver Anthony Parker. Um, you know, we we did our CFL free agency preview the day before, and when we were talking about the Eskimos, admittedly, you know, I, for lack of a better word, thought they were screwed. I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could hear that when I listened to it, and and at the time, if I had listened to it on right right before the Tuesday, I had totally agreed with you. <laughs> that's what we were. That's where we were all feeling, and uh, and then of course he goes out and makes this splash. Now I think it's important that we say at this particular moment, nobody's won the Grey Cup in February, and and the last, you know, probably the last five or six years, the team that has made the biggest splash on the first day of free agency is not always the team that finishes in the top two in their division. So um, I don't want to throw all that pressure onto the team before we even get started. Um, I think that there will be still some changes when you think about all of these guys that we signed right now, there isn't a salary cap, right? Um, It's the same thing in BC right now. There isn't a salary cap, but once we get to, um, training camp and we we get to halfway through training camp 
we will we might see some names that would be a little surprising that are going to be let go just because of uh, salary cap um, issues. So I, I have a feeling that may happen and unless Brock got some incredible deals that that on some of these names, uh, I think there might be some shuffles still to come. That was my next question as well, right? Is that you bring in all of these guys, and I know you don't have to fall under the salary cap right now, but you do have to uh, come the start of the season. Uh, these are some pretty big, high-priced players. We do expect to, pro- I would imagine, just like every team in the league, we are going to eventually see some cuts that are going to surprise us. It happens every year. Uh, you look at Saskatchewan when they brought Travis Bond in, I think it was last year, and then all of a sudden cut him during free agency after his time in Winnipeg. Uh, Looking at the guys the Eskimos have lost, though, because we talk about all these guys they brought in. We talk about that they lost Mike Riley. That was the big one. Uh, Besides Mike Riley, who would you say is the biggest loss? Oh, without a doubt, it would be J.C. Sherritt. Um, Him going and retiring. Um, not, Not that I hold any ill will on him for that, but he was a, a leader on the defense. Right. And and I think that's why you see names like Larry Dean and Javon Santos Knox and Don Anamba coming here because we know there are leaders in there that are incredible at that middle linebacker position. So um, I think that that's why we see that change. And, and I think I think that is the biggest question that kind of got answered on Tuesday was we did see some big holes leaving and Brock was filling up those holes, which is what free agency is all about is, is filling the holes that you have on your team. And then in your draft and in your training camp, it's now finding those depth guys that are the next guy that can take on that role. So uh, I, I would say that's probably the biggest one. If, if I had to put another one out there, I'd probably say Aaron Grimes, um, just because he was a, a leader in the secondary. Right. And uh, obviously he's spent all of his CFL career with the Eskimos. Um, and, you know, just personally, I've talked to him a few times and, and he's a good dude. So um, I'm sad to see him go. But you, you look at, again, some of these other names coming in and OK, well, we're, we might be getting a bit younger and, and shifting around some of those guys in that secondary. And on the flip side of things, I mean, we could argue probably that Trevor Harris was the most important acquisition, given that the quarterback position is generally the most important position on the football field. But uh, outside of him, who would you say is the biggest key addition uh, of the guys they've brought in? Oh, easily Sir Vincent Rogers. Yeah, easily. I, I mean, there's not even a question. And, and I don't want to take away from any of these other guys that we that we were able to sign. But it, I mean, there's no uh, you can't really. Well, I guess you can put a price on because they all got a contract, but you can't really put a price on a on a really, really good blindside offensive lineman and if you know that you can have that trust and give that quarterback just that little bit of extra time um you know we've seen it for so many years with riley and and i think even last year in ottawa they saw it a bit with harris when when he had time he could pick place pieces apart right and so uh, i think that is a, a huge signing um if i had to pick one other one just because it, you know just to make it uh, not quite as obvious um i would probably go with javon santos knox and um just because i think he was really well known in winnipeg not that he wasn't known across the league but he was really well known in winnipeg but i think that was kind of a, a sneaky get i, I kind of thought that he would go after larry dean and don and i didn't think he get both but but 
to get Javon Santos Knox, who has that speed on top of the size and hitting ability, I thought that was a, a really good pickup. Yeah, and uh, from seeing him here play here in Winnipeg, you do get a good one in Javon Santos Knox. Uh, would have loved to have him stay here, but when you you pay when you shovel as much money at Adam Big Hill as you did, doesn't really fit in the plans very much there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And. Uh, and and that's not it's not a bad thing. I mean, Adam Big Hill is amazing. Um, so and you've you know you've got the one of the, if not the best running back in the league and and a Canadian, which is a ratio breaker. So you've you've got to pay those guys. And when you have to do that, then other guys are going to go other spots. So I think right now with the Eskimos, I think the message has been sent that hey, we're we're going to sign all these names. Everybody come to camp and you better be bringing your A game because we only have so many spots around, but we're bringing in guys that we know can uh, make these positions really competitive. Uh, You've lost a lot of guys. You've gained a lot of big pieces. Would you say at this point in time on paper, because obviously things will change once they transition to the field and injuries happen and whatnot, um, better the same or worse than they were coming into free agency, the Eskimos? Right now, I would say the same. Um, I think that they filled some holes with some great names. I think they added some good names. Um, But because there is so many of them coming in from different teams, you can't kind of take or, or overestimate, I guess, the fact that they need to still gel as a team and be able to play together as a team. So... I don't think that they're worse because we brought in a lot of great names. Um, but I, I, until I can see them gel on the field and get a chance to actually play together, I wouldn't say that they're better either. I would just say that they, they did about what we needed to do. And I, I think we can be, uh, you know, shooting for a record that is right around that, that 500 or better. And that should get us into the playoffs. And that's really all we need to get to. Yeah, I'm really impressed with what Brock Sunderland did here because losing Mike Riley is not an easy thing. Uh, no. Certainly not. And uh, yeah, I kind of wonder what the team would look like if they did retain him for that $700,000 salary. Which of these guys we'd still see brought in? Which of them we wouldn't? Obviously, we wouldn't see Trevor Harris brought in. But uh, it would be interesting to know what the team would look like had Riley stayed. Yeah, I think if Riley stayed, I think the 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 kind of the the big three from Ottawa wouldn't be here. Um, I think they would probably all still be in Ottawa. Um, I think we probably would have seen a, a big play still for Larry Dean um, to fill that hole from uh, from J.C. Sherritt. Uh, I think losing Aaron Grimes that does give you some other you know movement as far as uh, salary cap wise so I still think you would have seen guys like Don Unamba and Anthony Orange be be looked at even likely Davaris Daniels as well especially with the loss of uh, Duke Williams and Bryant Mitchell uh, and now as it turns out Darrell Walker so uh, I think you'd probably see some of those names still have been on the board but then, of course, the big name would have been Riley, which would have then taken those other three probably out of the picture. Uh, you have a couple of guys from the Eskimos that did get uh, released for opportunities to go down south to the NFL. You mentioned Bryant Mitchell. You mentioned Duke Williams. Uh, a couple other guys on the defense there. Uh, what's the expectation? Do you expect them to be able to stick around down south? Or uh, could we be looking at some of these guys coming back to the Eskimos uh, either before the season starts or at some point during the year? Well, I think I think all four have a shot for sure. Um, 
Mercy Mastin and uh, Jake Sresner are the other two on the defense that went down. Uh, I think Mastin is he's built bigger um, and that he might be able to be looking at that uh, at least as an attempt at, at a safety spot down there. Um, when I look at Jake Serezna, I think he could definitely stick around, but I, I think he'll likely be a PR guy down there. Um, and he may still be able to stick with that, uh, just to even get the experience down in the NFL before he's coming back up this way. Uh, Bryant Mitchell and Duke Williams, I would be shocked if they didn't make their teams. Right. Um, they have speed, they have size, they have ability, um, I, I still think that Bryant Mitchell's one of the best route runners I've seen in a while. Um, and his his second gear in route running is amazing. So I would be shocked if those guys didn't at least stick in some form or another. So I, I don't think, even if they are coming back, I don't think we're going to be seeing them this year. Um, it might be next year that we might be looking for more of them to come back. But uh, I think the way Brock has done these moves for free agency i would guess that in his mind he's not planning for any of them to be back at this point right and it is kind of hard to plan on that because you bank on it and then all of a sudden they don't and you miss out on an opportunity elsewhere which is you know i think the situation calgary was worried about with the whole bo levi mitchell is is okay we want an answer because if not we got to go out and get a quarterback Exactly. Well, and I think that's why all those reports came out that Brock let a few teams talk to Riley early, because I think he he really wanted to know. And he said in his presser that by, you know, Saturday or Sunday uh, on the weekend, he knew that Riley wasn't coming back here. So then he could take his other, you know, three salary cap scenarios that he had and decide which one am I going to try and build. And uh, I think that really helped him to be able to attack very early on uh, free agency day. Now, they say uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, although Brock Sunderland tried to build in about two hours on Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. But, uh, you know, the CFL offseason is still another couple of months. There will be flurries of activity throughout it. Uh, do you expect the Eskimos to continue to be active in the coming weeks? And uh, if so, what holes are still uh, still need to be filled? Uh, I don't see them doing a whole lot in the next few weeks. There might be the odd depth guy uh, that we would be getting. Again, if we're going to look at really any holes, um, I think we'd probably still be looking more towards that secondary side of things. Uh, the team did release Neil King. So uh, is it going to be one of these younger guys that is going to jump into that safety spot or are they going to try and find a, a safety to, to slot in there? Um, I, but I, I don't think they make any real big moves at this point. I think especially because then they did, of course, extend five guys on the Monday night prior to right. uh, free agency with Kenny Stafford and Calvin McCarty and Ryan King, uh, Forrest Hightower and Colin Kelly. So I think there's lots of guys that we now have under contract. And I think they kind of want to look and piece together what is their you know, they're doing exactly what we're doing, which is sitting down and going, okay, what is this depth chart actually going to look like? And then once they kind of have that idea with the guys they already have, it's like, okay, well, where is that spot that we might need? And right now I really, the only spot I can see that they, they would be a target at all again is either a safety or a, or a halfback type position. 
Now, uh, a lot is always made of the strength of the West Division versus the East Division. And I, I think we saw a lot of the big names on the first day come out West, including Trevor Harris now coming to the West Division, which, uh, in my opinion, arguably for the top five quarterbacks in the CFL, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli of the Ticats, I would include in that mix. But for the top five are now in the West Division. And, uh, well, Saskatchewan, hopefully their defense is as good as it was last year because they'll need it. (laughs) (laughs) So true. But uh, what do you make of the landscape of the West Division at this point? Has it changed a whole lot? Uh, And where do you see the Eskimos fitting into that? Well, I I think that the the landscape really hasn't changed a bunch. It's still a very difficult division. Um, There's there's no doubt about that. with with Calgary being able to re-sign Bo Levi, as as they had they lost a lot of pieces as well. So especially on their defensive side of the ball, and they lost their DC. So there's I, I never count them out, but I will say that there's a lot of pieces that are changed. So are they going to be as good? I I, I think at number one until they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, weekly pick them. I don't think I think there's only like twice in the last four years I haven't picked the Stampeders because you just got to play the odds. That, yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I'm not I, I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, I'm just saying that I live in Edmonton. It'd be nice for them to suck for a while. That's hey, all. Hey, um, agree with that too. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so <laughs> I think that um, I, I think that they, they they will you know reload their positions likely with young guys and and still do okay um bc of course has has made a a significant upgrade in adding mike riley um and of course they they added a great number of of eskimos as well so um so and and that that's a good team and and they do have i think uh, uh young and an upcoming head coach that I think is probably going to have to learn a little bit next year, but I think that he's definitely going to motivate that team. So I think as soon as you put Mike Riley on the team, you got to give them a shot to finish first or second. Um, I think the, the, the Winnipeg blue bombers have probably the most consistency in the entire league and that is going to help them. So they can only do uh, as, as good as they did last year, I think, because I think they, they have that consistency. They know where everything is at. Uh, Saskatchewan, we've already talked about, not <laughs> maybe doing as much as needed. We shall see. Um, and I, so I really, right now, I, it goes back to what I said before about the Eskimos. I think we, until we actually see if they can gel as a, con, as a complete team, I, I don't really want to go too high yet. Um, so I, I kind of see them finishing in the middle of the pack around that third or fourth position. Um, unless, you know, I get to training camp and see, wow, these guys are really clicking and all of a sudden it's something different. But uh, I, I see them kind of finishing in that spot at this point, if we can make the playoffs, uh, once you get there when, and, and Trevor Harris does this a lot, you get to the playoffs and Hey, you never know what might happen. Absolutely. Well, just to wrap things up here, as always, take a minute to uh, tell people where to find the podcast and uh, what's coming down the pipe in the next little while. 
All right. Well, uh, thanks again for, for having me on. And everyone can find the show uh, anywhere you find podcasts you listen to or just search up the Eskimo Empire podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at Esk Empire Pod. And of course, we do have a website, um, which is EskEmpire.ca. And all of our social media channels are there and blogs and uh, pictures and all those fun things. Uh, you can find me at Freepalicious on uh, Twitter if you want to chat with me. And uh, we're still recording the show every couple of weeks uh, this this week. Uh, if you haven't listened already, we're recording with uh, Bud Steen once again. He's coming back to uh, tell us some more uh, refing stories. And of course, we'll break down free agency. Uh, and we've got a lot coming up with uh, we have so many new players and coaches to talk to that <laughs> that is most of the plan for the rest of this offseason to kind of get us uh, introduced to everybody before a training camp uh, fires up in May. Sounds good. Looking forward to listening to all of that. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, have you on again closer to the season to set up, you know, after what transpires over the next couple of months to set up the season. And, uh, you know, if Brock Sunderland has another day where he wants to go out and have a lot of fun. We might bring you back sooner than that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'm excited to come back anytime you want. Wonderful. Thanks for joining me today. And that was Andrew Hoskins of the Eskimo Empire podcast joining me here on the Canadian Football Countdown to talk everything Edmonton has done this week. Uh, it's been a busy week for the Eskimos. And, you know, uh, like Andrew mentioned, the Grey Cup isn't won in February. There's still a lot of off-season to come. There's still a lot of season to come. And sure, Edmonton goes out and makes these big moves here. And I think they do offset some of the big losses they had. But we will see here. We will see as things come whether uh, all these fresh new big-name pieces they have can gel together and uh, what kind of product the team can put out on the fields. But uh, thanks to Andrew for joining me. Uh, always a pleasure to have him on to talk everything Edmonton Eskimos. Well, let's get into our final uh, interview of this episode of the podcast. Uh, we talked about uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks and all of their pieces going to Edmonton, so we might as well continue the chain here, talk about all the Edmonton Eskimos going over to the BC Lions. And now I'm pleased to be joined here by one of the hosts of the BC Lions Den podcast, Brian Warishan, to break down everything BC has done so far and CFL free agency. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, it's been a busy week uh, following the CFL on top of regular life stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of news has come our way, and uh, certainly I would say this has been the craziest uh, start to the free agency period that I can remember, at least since we started doing this podcast about five years ago. Uh, would you agree with that? Well, absolutely, and I think it's because there's you know, there's not many years where you get the top three quarterbacks um, unsigned heading into free agency. And that, that brought a lot of drama to the situation. And, and I think everybody knew that Mike Riley was coming to BC, but there was a chance that even Bo Levi Mitchell might leave Calgary. So um, there was a, lots of uh, intrigue and excitement, so to speak, to start this week off. Uh, now, you mentioned the intrigue and excitement. Take us through the reaction there in BC, because we find out before it even all starts Tuesday afternoon, Monday night already, and it had been rumored, you know, in the weeks leading up that Mike Riley, most arguably, I mean, some might say believe by Mitchell, Mike Riley, which one is the biggest fish out there. But uh, you land the biggest fish, Mike Riley, for a four year contract. Uh, what was the what was the reaction like? 
Uh, was the excitement in the air? Yeah, well, I think it had been building for a long time, right? And, uh, you know, I know personally a year ago I heard that uh, Ed Hervey was going to make a run at Mike Riley if he made it to free agency. So, um, you know, I, I've been expecting something like this to happen uh, after Wally left. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, obviously the ties between Ed and, and Mike are, are strong and that bond is there. So, um, you know, I, I think coming into this, uh, this is what I kind of expected to happen, although on Twitter and and other uh, other medias that I'm on, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about how I didn't think it was going to happen. I just thought Mike would decide to stay in Edmonton. I thought they would make him a, uh, as good as offer as BC. And uh, unfortunately for them, unfortunately for us, uh, other factors uh, came into it and he chose the BC Lions. But uh, absolutely, I think you could gauge the interest on Twitter and say that uh, Lions fans were quite excited. I, I got several tweets saying that, you know, people are going to start going to games again. So uh, I think it's already having an impact uh, off the field and uh, it certainly should have an impact on the field. That that was my next question as well is uh, we obviously the biggest impact is on the field because not too often you can go out and sign a guy like Mike Riley and you know that was a position where maybe the line struggled a little bit you know going back and forth between Louie and Jennings last year and well there's no question Mike Riley's the number one there now um, but you know the off field stuff I know we see you on Twitter all the time trying to urge. Uh, people in BC to get out to Lions games more often. Uh, do you expect uh, this to have, uh, you know, not only Mike Riley, they did bring in some other big pieces as well. Do you expect that all to uh, make a bit of an increase in attendance there? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think maybe for the first game, you'll see a, a pretty big crowd out there. I'm sure the Lions are going to do everything they can to hype that game as the return of Mike Riley, uh, one of the best player in the CFL. But uh, they're going to have to win football games. And, uh, you know, even if Mike Riley is here and the Lions aren't winning, uh, it's going to be tough to get people to to commit to come downtown to a game. So um, I think you're going to see a gradual increase as the team gets better and better. Um, this is a bit of a bandwagon town. and. Um, you know, if it's popular, people will go. If it's if it's not that popular at the moment, they won't. So there's so many other entertainment choices for their dollar here. So you've really got to give them a product to watch. And I think the you know the Lions have certainly taken steps uh, to have an exciting offense this year. And I think uh, once uh, everything starts to gel and the Lions can get on a roll a bit, uh, you'll see bigger crowds for sure. Now, Riley, of course, isn't the only one they picked up uh, as free agency opened. We know uh, just shortly before they re-signed Brian Burnham to a nice contract. Uh, they also bring in Bombers offensive lineman Suk Chung uh, to protect Riley there. That's a huge addition on the offensive line. They bring in a couple Eskimos and Aaron Grimes, Chris Edwards. Uh, and then they continue to bring in more guys. Deron Carter, John White, Josh Woodman, Josh Stanford, Terrell Davis. They re-signed Brandon Rutley. Uh, of these other guys the Lions brought in, who would you say, uh, it, because I'm pretty sure if I asked and included Mike Riley, you'd probably say Mike Riley is the most key. Uh, but besides him, who else would you say is the biggest key addition? Well, I think there's a few. Uh, you know, obviously, Deron Carter is, is a very dynamic player. Um, you know, we've all known the background stories with Deron Carter and the different stops he's had across the CFL. But I think he's coming to a team with a with a young head coach and Devon Claybrooks, uh, with a quarterback uh, who will run that locker room, won't allow any distractions to come inside of it, um, and and to play with it with one of the league's top quarterbacks. I think Deron Carter could have a career year here in BC, and he may just find his home here. You know, with the current coaching staff, it's young and um, you know kind of fits into his generation. Um, I think you know he may be a lot happier here and given a little bit more of a free reign to be Deron Carter. 
Um, as far as Suk Chung goes, that, that's that's a huge addition as well. I mean, you've got to get nastier on that offensive line, and I think that's what Ed's trying to do there. Um, but if you're going to spend, um, you know, seven hundred twenty thousand dollars on your starting quarterback, you better make sure you cut the guys in front of them to protect that investment. So uh, that was a big signing. Lamar Durant's another one as well. I think the Lions really created their Canadian um, receiving content with that signing. Um, so that's a big one. And the other one I would suggest is maybe a bit of a, a dark horse uh, signing was uh, John White out of Hamilton. Uh, you know, the guy was, looked like he was going to tear the league up a few years ago, um, ran into some pretty serious injury problems. Um, but if he could get healthy, um, I think that could be the, the steal of free agency for Ed Herbie. Now, uh, you mentioned John White in the running back position. The Lions had a slew of solid running backs last year. You look at Jeremiah Johnson, uh, Chris Rainey. They did bring in Terrell Sutton uh, later in the season. All three of those guys shipped out uh, or are no longer with the team, I should say, have signed on with other teams. Uh, Brandon Rutley, uh, the Lions re-signed him and now John White. So do we expect it to be a dual back system between those two or do you see one of them getting the uh, the bulk of the reps? It's tough to say. The Lions have kind of run a two running back system for the last several seasons now. And, uh, you know, I think both of those guys are powerful runners. Um, I think over the course of a football season, you're going to want a fresh running back in your lineup at times. And I don't think uh, there's a huge drop off when you have either one of those guys in the lineup. So I don't think they necessarily have to do uh, a two running back system. Um, they'll have, they'll have a battle out in camp and, and, and see who emerges as the starter. And, and the other guy will probably spell in from time to time and, and let the other guy heal up a little bit. So um, that seems to be, uh, has been the line's uh, philosophy the last few years. I, I know it's a different coaching staff, but it's a long season and those running backs take uh a lot of punishment. So I think that's that's the idea there is just to have some depth. And I would expect both of those guys to make the team. So uh, a lot of the talk about these different guys that the Lions have brought in the last few days has been, well, the fact that a lot of them are former Edmonton Eskimos, which we know uh, Ed Herbie was the general manager in Edmonton. And if I go back to last year, I think there was a lot of that last offseason as well, where you saw a lot of Eskimos going yep. to BC. Um, that's not just a coincidence, right? Is it just Ed Hervey? He knows his guys from his time in Edmonton. He knows what they're capable of and wants to bring them in. Oh, I, I would I would agree with that. And I, I've also been, you know, reading how Ed Hervey is very good at uh, convincing people what his vision is and uh, how good he is at getting pl- players to buy into that. Uh, that's one common theme you hear from players all the time that they really like what Ed's vision is. So, um, you know, I think he's proven in the past he can build a winner and, uh, you know, he's looking to do that again with some guys that he trusts, uh, you know, to build that core group that uh, is going to get him uh, the results that he wants. So uh, I think it's uh, definitely a relationship there. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's in pro sports. uh, You go with guys that have gone to war with you before and, and and can really help you out. So, um, I, I think Ed is, uh, you know, just going to guys that he's familiar with for now and building a core group of guys that uh, he wants to build around. Well, and not only that, you get the chemistry between the GM and the players, but if they're all guys that have played together before, you also, you know, bring in the chemistry they already had. They don't have to necessarily make yeah. as many new connections there as yeah, well. Absolutely. And when you're making changes, that helps uh, get things rolling a little quicker as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do bring in a lot of these big pieces here, but the Lions have also lost a couple big names uh, this offseason. Manny Arsenault goes to the Riders, Micah Awe off to Toronto, you know, Ricky Collins goes to Edmonton. 
Jonathan Jennings, Jeremiah Johnson, Sean Lemon, Boa Combo, uh, Kicker Ty Long off to the NFL, uh, Anthony Orange, Devere Posey, Chris Rainey. I mean, the list goes on here. Uh, yep. Guys, uh, of all of these ones, who would you say is the biggest loss, uh, the biggest piece that will be missed this year? Uh, for me, it was Bola Combo. Um, he's just coming into his own as a, as a national linebacker. Um, I thought that uh, you know he could have easily uh, been a starter for us this season, and he's also a really good special teams demon as well. So um, I was surprised that uh, he's not coming back, and, and that the Lions apparently didn't think enough of him to bring him back. Um, he helps out your ratio. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, that was my biggest surprise. I think all these other guys, uh, I didn't expect uh, Chris Rainey back. I didn't expect Jonathan Jennings back and right. um, a lot of these other guys. So, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff, Mike Alley was probably another one where I was hoping he would be back. But, uh, um, you know, Ed Irby doesn't want to spend money on linebackers, uh, it would appear. Um, he had a chance to bring Adam Big Hill back, I'm sure, if he wanted to twice, and he chose not to. So, um, you know, I think that uh, his philosophy is to build on the defensive and offensive lines and uh, fill in pieces where he can through his scouting in the States and, and, and try and get them for a little bit cheaper money. But, um, you know, Emmanuel Arsenal, I, I, another great lion. I mean, he's been here for a long time. He's been great on the field, off the field, in the community. But, um, you know, he's coming off a really major knee surgery. He's, uh, he's getting up there in age. And I just don't think that, uh, you know, he fit into Ed's vision um, right now. He's, he's a little slower than he used to be, um, you know, just getting up there a little bit. So I, I don't think that the Lions uh, are going to miss too much. I think they've upgraded their receiving core, and uh, I don't think they'll miss Arsenal too much. Uh, a lot of the talk also has been about, okay, you signed Mike Riley to a big contract. You re-signed Brian Burnham to a hefty contract. Super Chung demands a nice dollar. Um we, we know you don't need to be under the salary cap at this point, only by when the season starts. But a lot of people questioning just how the Lions can make ends meet with some of these big additions. Uh, do you expect to see some uh, notable guys let go to fit under the cap as the season comes along? Or uh, where do you think? I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Because we don't know full cap numbers uh, in terms of both the players and what yeah. the cap will actually be. But uh, do you think they can manage under this, or will we be seeing some guys uh, let go to make room? Well, I think they'll manage under it, and I, I think there's always surprises that come out of training camp. And there's been a lot of chatter about, um, you know, if if the Lions will uh, continue to honor the the final year of Solomon Elmamian's contract. Um, you know, like I just mentioned, uh, Ed Hervey doesn't want to spend a lot of money at that position. He feels he can go down to the States and, and find players that can come in and, and play for a lot cheaper. So, um, you know, Solomon L. Mamian, he's also coming off a very um, delicate wrist surgery, a very rare wrist injury that was nerve-related. So uh, I'm not sure where that stands at this point. Um, but he could be a possible guy that you might see let go. Um, you know, He's already let a lot of the high-priced guys go, right? He hasn't brought back a lot of the, the name players that uh, have helped this team. No Jonathan Jennings, no Travis Lutley, no Manny Arsenal. So there's already been uh, quite a bit of salary cleared out for that. He's just replacing it with other players at this point. And, um, you know, he may have missed out on some guys because he went in so hard on Riley. But, uh, you know, I, I know they wanted to bring in Darrell Walker as well, but that uh, price tag was just too high. So, you know, there's going to be have to be choices made. And as Ed said the other day, some familiar faces probably won't be around when the, when the season kicks off. Uh, with some players leaving, obviously some are replaced by other guys brought in, but some are also replaced by guys within the organization getting a chance to step up. 
uh, with all the changes, is there anyone in particular that maybe uh, is going to have a coming out party uh, that has been on the team that really hasn't gotten a shot yet? Well, last year's uh, draft pick, David Neville, uh, right tackle, um, offensive lineman. The Lions need a right tackle right now. I don't think Joe Van Olfoy is coming back. Um, so they're going to have to audition for that spot. I believe they also have Antonio Johnson on the roster. Um, neither one of those guys is a proven right tackle. And, you know, as I said, you got to protect Mike Riley. So uh, they're going to have to find something there. And I think David Neville, was, David Neville is a very interesting prospect. He's a huge guy. Um, he made some strides last year in his rookie year. Um, so if he can win that spot, uh, you, know, you might see him emerge as uh, as a guy that uh, has done a little time and finally gets a chance to play. Um, other, other than that, I, you know, I, I can't really think of anybody that, uh, you know, might be an up-and-comer. You know, we saw Stefan Hurd or, or Jordan Herdman, sorry, um, come in and, uh, last year and, and fill in for Solomon I mean, I think they see him as a starter this year, so maybe he can make more strides. Um, obviously, uh, you know, his sideline to sideline speed wasn't great last year uh, when he filled in the when he filled in for Solomon, but, um, you know, that can be improved on through off-season training and, and things like that, so they're looking for more growth from him. Um, but other than that, I, I, I don't know. I don't think there's really a guy on the roster that uh, uh, I'm expecting to take over starters on. Now, uh, just last night, I had the chance to talk with Rod Gomez from the Wood Cookie Sodcast uh, to talk about the addition of Jonathan Jennings, among other things, uh, as a potential starting quarterback here for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, out of all of us in the uh, Canadian Football Podcast Network, you've obviously been closest uh, to getting to observe Jonathan Jennings' play. Uh, do you think he can get back to uh, where he was at as a starter, or uh, do you see him uh, being in a bit of a battle with Dominic Davis? for the starting job in Ottawa? You know, I, I don't know if he can, and, and I really hope that he can because I think he's a really great guy and he's got a lot of talent. But um, for whatever reason, uh, he, he, he doesn't seem to be able to have the right mental mindset um, to be his, be the starting quarterback. And he had a great year, and he hasn't had a great year ever since. And, um, you know, I think that where he struggles is reading defenses um, reacting and making good decisions under pressure. You know, I think he struggles with that at times. And, um, you know, he's going into a situation where Trevor Harris was a very popular quarterback there. The fans are already antsy that they lost him. I, I think he's going to be under a lot of pressure there and, and hopefully he can have the mindset to go in there and start fresh and, and really apply himself there. And I'm not suggesting he didn't apply himself, but, um, you know, I, I just don't, I haven't seen that side of him, uh, that growth, in that area of his game and I think he has to do that um, if he's going to have success in this league because he has all the talent in the world I just don't know going into that situation where he's going to have so much expected of him from from uh, nation um, that he's going to thrive in that environment and, and but I hope I'm wrong I, I wish him all the best and, and everything uh, in, in his fresh start there uh, the West Division, with some of the uh, changes uh, throughout the first couple of days of free agency, continues to seem to get stronger and stronger here. Um, the Lions finished fourth last year. They get the crossover spot. They have the you know the all-star quarterback in Mike Riley now. Uh, I would expect to see a bit of improvement from the Lions, but and and I know a lot can change before the season starts and once the season starts, but. Uh, just in your head, where do you see the lines kind of within the landscape of the West right now? I think you have to throw them in there with everybody else. You know, I, I think Edmonton, I really liked what Edmonton did after losing Mike Riley. Um, I thought they made some really nice additions to their team. 
They've got a really solid linebacking core there. Winnipeg has a great defense. Um, Calgary is always going to be there with Bo Levi Mitchell and John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson. Uh, they'll find new guys to reload. Um, you know, Saskatchewan is, is probably, I would say, the, the weaker team in the division right now only because of their quarterbacking situation. Uh, I'm not sold that Zach Caleros can, um, you know, with, withstand an 18-game season, and I, I hope I'm wrong there again because, uh, you know, we always talk about concussions and things like that, but right. um, I just don't see him lasting there. Um, you know, I, I would think the Lions are, are going to be in a, in a dogfight, and when you play Western Division opponents this year, um, you better make sure you win because if you don't, you're going to be that team at the bottom of the division uh, that's complaining about missing the playoffs with a better record than the team in the East. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be tough in the West like it is every year. And I, I can't predict right now because I, I just see too many holes on, on the rosters right now. And um, it's, it's a little tough to say uh, where I think they would finish, but I think they're going to be right up there with everybody else. Yeah, even then, once the holes do get filled, I think it's such a tight division, such strong talent that, uh, you know, when it comes to do our preseason prediction, I'll probably throw all the names in the hat and take them out in some sort of order because it's too hard. It's too close, too hard to predict. Definitely, though, I think the Lions have upgraded with some of their additions so far. Um, A lot of offseason still left to go. They're sure there was a flurry of activity and the Lions were arguably one of the most active. Uh, at least on day one and then the next day or two to follow. Um, With all the money spent already, do we expect them to still be active uh, in the coming weeks or are we looking at a quieter Lions team? uh, And of any remaining holes, which ones do you think need to be? Well, I think they need a right tackle. And I think they're going to bring in some guys, uh, not necessarily in free agency, but through the tryout camps they'll have in the in the U.S. this offseason, uh, they need a defensive end as well with uh, the departure of Sean Levin. I'm not sure, uh, you know, if they have somebody in mind in-house or they'll be auditioning guys there. I don't really think there's anybody out in the free agent market that uh, they're going to be able to bring in at this point uh, for the money they have to spend. So uh, they also need a kicker with, uh, you know, Ty Long not uh, returning at least to start the season. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. I think for all those positions, they'll just uh, find as many guys as they can and uh, let them battle it out in camp and see how it comes out. But, um, uh, you know, I think the Lions might add a, a piece here or there in the next couple of days, uh, maybe some guys on the roster, maybe a, maybe a Shaq Johnson, uh, um, maybe a uh, Tyler Davis, uh, you know, that type of player that uh, has been on the roster in the past. But uh, And there could be a guy out there that... Uh, you know, they can use as a filler filler position for, for some depth somewhere. So uh, I don't think Ed is necessarily done, but I, I, I think the action will slow down quite a bit from here on out. You mentioned Shaq Johnson. It looks like, uh, as I'm scrolling through here just earlier today, uh, he has been re-signed by the BC Lions. So uh, okay. a key guy brought back there uh, helps with the uh, Canadian talent. I believe he's a Canadian, correct? Yep, yep. yep absolutely. So him and Lamar Durant, some solid wide receivers there for the BC yep. Lions. Um, just yep. just before I let you go here, uh, take a moment, uh, let us know where to find the podcast and uh, what's coming down the pipe in the next little while. Uh, well, you can find the podcast at bclionsden.ca or on iTunes or Google Play or all those uh, podcast uh, apps that you can download. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bclionsden.ca and on Twitter at bclionsden. And um, unfortunately, uh, we won't be having a show anytime soon. Uh, we have to uh, get my uh, den back in order. It's uh, cluttered with furniture and uh, old clothes and other things right now that we're trying to get rid of and so we can set things up properly and permanently in there. 
So uh, hopefully in the next month or so, we'll make some good progress there and we'll be back. But uh, until then, it's a hiatus, but I will be writing blogs on the site, uh, talking about what the Lions have done and, and all sorts of other stuff. So uh, check that out. Wonderful. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join me today. Uh, it's always a pleasure getting to talk with you about everything BC Lions. And uh, we'll see what happens in the next coming months. And then, boy, uh, CFL season's only a couple months away already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you in the in the near future again. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Cheers. And that was Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den podcast joining me here to chat everything the Lions have done so far uh, in free agency. Obviously, the big splash there, Mike Riley, and we'll see what he uh, what he can do for the team on and off the field, as well as some of the other pieces they brought in. So, thank you to Brian for joining me and. Uh, Thank you to our pre- two previous guests as well, Rod and Andrew, for joining me here as well. Uh, always great getting to chat football with members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, check out all of these shows and all the other great ones as well at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. That does it for this episode of the podcast. Again, uh, Mike is tied up with work stuff the next couple of weeks, so uh, we will return to regular episodes of me and him probably at some point in early March. Uh, Until then, I'll see if I can uh, perhaps, you know, if we have a lot of news come out in the next week, I'll see if I can get another sort of roundtable like this together, talk to a couple other members uh, covering some of the other teams uh, that we haven't necessarily talked as much about uh, as well. But until then, uh, listen to this show, follow us on Twitter, uh, at CFC on Mike FM, or you can follow me at Cooper Trooper 42 or Mike at Mike Garrell, M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L, uh, to see all of our thoughts on the CFL. Again, I'll try to get another episode of the podcast out next week uh, of some sorts. And uh, until then, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, Canadian Football Countdown uh, on those, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Leave a comment uh, if you enjoyed this episode. And uh, enjoy the week to come. Again, I can't stress enough that free agency does not end after day one. There's still a lot to come. Uh, If you're a little down on your team after what they've done so far, stay tuned. They may be bringing in a couple big pieces yet uh, to add to the team that uh, may flip your perspective around. Uh, A lot of activity still to come. A lot of guys left unsigned. And, of course, we will always be here to uh, break it all down uh, wherever they go and uh, whatever happens with the CFL news. Uh, So stay tuned for all of that. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again on the next episode. Bye.